0: Welcome to Lame Stream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingen, guest host
1: this week, and also the guest of the most listened to episode of Lame Stream Sports of 2022. Are you done?
0: Is that not accurate? You're not, you're not, even, I'm not even going to invite you back now. Steve goes out of town <laughs> one time. Steve goes out of town one time. So today on the show, and the reason you're here, is I wanted to do a state of Nashville media entering the season for the Nashville Predators. The coverage, there is RSN stuff about the Regional Sports Network we're going to get into. What is the future of consuming Nashville Predators hockey look like? Um, there's a whole lot of stuff here. How the d- two different radio stations handle the Predators in two very different ways. The digital landscape... Uh, In terms of what people are offering. And this is not going to be about individuals necessarily. We might bring some folks up today on the show, but this is going to be largely about the state of media around the Nashville Predators. Also, what do new general manager, new head coach and new ownership? How does that affect coverage? Uh, Also, access uh, journalism by the reporters versus what the team provides and some of the critiques about what's going on with those relationships. So a large, long conversation about the state of national Predators media uh, in 2023 as we enter a new season and a very new chapter uh, for this organization. Adam, you, of course, what year did you start on the beat for the Tennessean? 2015. 2015. I started on the Predators beat, quote-unquote, as a radio host in 20, September of 2016. Uh, and, of course, you moved to The Athletic. I was at 102.5 The Game. Uh, our show was canceled in February of 2020. Uh, you left The Athletic when? June 2022. Okay, so there's the brief, quick history of the two of us <laughs> and what we have done. You and I, of course, used to do the Gold Standard podcast. If you want to hear Michael Gallagher and current breakdown of the actual team and what's taking place during their their training camp, a couple of preseason games, make sure you check out the Gold Standard podcast this week. Myself and Michael Gallagher of Nashville Hockey Now, which is a new website covering Nashville Predators hockey, and will be a part of this conversation um, about the entirety of Predators media in the city. Okay, before we do that. However, and this should be this should be old old head for you, Adam. Old hat, old hat for you. Lamestream sports is Adam, brought to you by typically Jaspers, where a kid can be a kid. <laughs> that's true, and we'll be babysat by Jaspers, and all the quarter zips at Jaspers will babysit your children in the game room for free, zero dollars. That's that legally, uh, I'm obligated to tell you that that's not true, but I'm just telling you that it's possible. I can't remember if that's Discovery Zone or Chuck E. Cheese that I just stole from. I have One no idea. Don't care. They're not as good as Jaspers. And now Arlo is over two years old, your son. I think he could go into the game room now and take care of himself. I really do. <laughs> he's like the size of a six-year-old, uh, you know? Yes. As
1: been has been previously established on this podcast network, my son is, is huge. He's a big boy. But he's not... Uh, he's not ready yet to be um what's the word i'm looking for um he can't run wild and free yet he's not uh, there yet
0: on what's the why am i drawing a blank too Un, uh, unpatrolled what's the word Un, unsupervised is the word i'm looking for. unsupervised
1: yes on a podcast about media we can't come up with words which is <laughs> which is a problem yeah,
0: um
1: yeah this is this is disconcerting for the rest of the show uh my children I think the other day I'm sorry. I have one more thing to say about my large son. I think the other day someone asked Bridget if if Arlo was four years old. And I was nice, like, nice. I was like, that would that, that wouldn't be great since he doesn't know too many words. If he was four years old, and it was still uh,
0: limited in his speech. But does, yes, does, he uh, is a large all, child. All children develop at their own pace. Um, here's the question. Have you taught him to play back to the basket yet? I'm trying to get that scholarship from Duke. He hasn't go to Jaspers,
1: but, but he's a good passer. He's a good distributor. So we might be looking at a pointer shooting guard at some
0: point. Well, I don't know his size. He might be a regular Mike Dunleavy. We'll see. Uh, Okay. Uh, All right. Let's get into the, I want to start very broadly, and then we're going to get into some very specific discussions again, print versus on air. The two different major radio stations in this market cover the team very differently. The digital landscape, the future of RSNs, regional sports networks. That's Bally's, and what that means for Preds fans watching the team, and then of course Barry Trotz is new, uh, Andrew Burnett is new, Bill Haslam will be new. How does that affect coverage of the team moving forward? So I just want you to like what 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 is the difference? 2015, you get on the beat at the Tennessean. You had been covering hockey previously in in uh, D.C. right for the Capitals. What what was what is different about the media? Th- coverage of the Predators in 2015 than it is today in 2023? What's the biggest difference?
1: That's a good question, because honestly, I feel like where it was when I got here is similar to where it is now. When I got here in 2015, the the team was on the rise. They had missed the playoffs the previous two seasons, fired Barry Trotz, hired Peter Laviolette. I came in late in Peter Laviolette's first season as coach, but at the time there were a handful of blogs. I think, uh, I think, namely of on the forecheck. There were other ones as well, and the Tennessean. But that was that was really it in terms of print slash online media. Um, Then, of course, the Athletic came in, and that added to it. When I was there, since then the Athletic has receded from covering the predators on a daily basis. So it, it, it feels like it's back to where it was eight years ago. You have the Tennessean as the only daily newspaper in town, and you have a, a multitude of blogs you have on the forecheck Still you have Nashville hockey. Now you have penalty box radio, you have, you know, so I, honestly, I, I think where it is now is where it was then. Um, of course, when the team started uh, succeeding, you know more more people came in. You know more of the television the, the television stations became um, more uh, regular in terms of attending practices and games. You know 102.5 ramped up it ramped up its coverage uh, of the Predators, of course, as the flagship station. Um, but when it comes to the written word, I, I think it's back to where it was in 2015, which is not an insult. I just think that the ebbs and flows of the team and the coverage of the team have gotten us back to where we were when I first got here.
0: I, I don't necessarily disagree with that the landscape has changed. I certainly think there are far more digital properties, whether they're the written word or the spoken word. Uh, you know, my, my network, um, On you've got... Um, uh, it's all your fault from the Nashville scene and post. You've got lots of other shows across the internet that are covering this team. Here's yes, what I-, I should say that there are more podcasts. I believe now than there were that well, and frankly more sports fans, 2022, 2021 actually was the very, and this is a broad statistic about all of the country, not just Nashville or hockey, but 2021 was the first year in where adult males, 25 to 54 got their sports information more From podcasts than from radio, 51% versus 49%. It's the first year that podcasts, quote unquote, beat radio in sports coverage. That's across the country, again, amongst the male demographic, 28 to 54, which is the money demographic that advertisers want. So I think that is a huge part of the market that is a big difference. What I would say about, I don't, I agree with you that I don't think that the dynamics have changed all that much. I think the quality of the hockey knowledge has changed significantly. And some of that is I would because agree with that some of that is I mean, basically, it was you and me who came into the market about the same time. And we just basically made everybody great. And uh, it was you and I that did that. <laughs> no, I, I think the analytics are significantly better today. And even on the broadcast now, and I've talked to Chris Mason about this. I've talked to Willie Donick about it. Like they intentionally now are bringing more analytics into the game. I think all the, the digital properties, whether it's written or audio, have brought more analytics into the game. I think the fan base is smarter because of the Stanley Cup run about the game of hockey. So I think while we may have the same number of quote-unquote like traditional outlets, I think the quality of that coverage in general is far smarter today than it was in 2015 or 16. And I think it's probably why the pressure to move from John Hines and for David Poyle to step down I think I could point kind of to that and say, we've evolved and we expect more as a market, as fans. And I think maybe that's part of why we saw some of the changes take place over the last year and a half. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that. I do think you make an important distinction that the quantity
1: of outlets may be similar to what it was eight years ago, but I agree the quality And the depth of knowledge about hockey in general has increased in that time. So while there may not be, while there may be the same number of outlets, just counting the number of websites, blogs, podcasts, whatever, that are covering the team, I do think that the conversations had on those podcasts, on the radio stations, on those websites is is more uh, educated than it was uh, when I got here, I remember like, like, I, like you, this is something that just popped into my head. I'll re- Here's a fun story from back in 2015. <laughs> so the Predators make the playoffs in 2015 for the first time in a couple of years. They, they, they play the Blackhawks in the first round and the Tennessean where I was working at the time was we were preparing for playoff coverage and uh, one of the editors at the time thought that the, uh, that as part of the coverage, they needed an insert in the newspaper breaking down the rules of hockey. And I just <laughs> thought to myself, what are we getting into here? And the way I tried to explain it was hockey has been here for, at the time, what, 15 years? I can't remember. The, yeah, 15 years. The Predators have made the playoffs multiple times. And yes, they've missed the playoffs the past two years, but people didn't forget about the rules of hockey in two years. <laughs> and the argument that w- I, the argument that was given to me was, well, there are people who weren't living here the last time the Predators made the playoffs because this is when Nashville as a city was starting to boom in population. So there may be people who don't know the rules of hockey that are going to watch the Predators in the playoffs for the first time. So I remember saying, "Okay, I will, I will provide the." The uh, the copy for this insert about the rules of hockey as long as my name isn't on it <laughs> and and they agreed to that so that, like that so that I mean that that's where things were I, I you know the the I, I felt like you know hockey was not taken super seriously then and. Another tidbit: I remember having a meeting at the Tennesseean after the Stanley Cup play after the Stanley Cup final run. So this was the like the summer of 2017, leading into the 2017 18 season.
0: So before the trading for won. Kyle Turris,
1: yes, this was this was leading into the President's Trophy season, and there we, we had a meeting where we were going over, okay, here's what worked during the playoffs. Here's the type of coverage that people were interested in. Here's the type of things we should look to do more of in the season. The most popular stories written about the Predators in terms of page views during the 2017 playoffs were one about catfish and two about who was singing the national anthem every game.
0: So I I think this is your uh, fault. Sports fans. This is not all yes. the media's fault. It is not all the radio host's fault for doing hot take radio. It's not all the Tennesseans' fault for doing clicks. Because you know what you click on and what you listen to? You listen to catfish shit. And you listen to and national I, and anthem And
1: I'm, I'm sitting here listening to this meeting. And, and as someone who really enjoys digging into the, the ins and outs of hockey and be like, really? Like, I can't write about catfish all the time. No, no. So... So I, I do think that my point is that I think the hockey market in general has become more educated, better educated in terms of the game. I think if you if you listen to 1025 and people call in about the team, I think the, the, the callers are smarter, like the dialogue is smarter. I do think that, that has that has definitely yeah. happened over the past near decade.
0: I'm gonna add one more layer to that that I think makes it different today than even than 2015 and that is I think there is a larger and deeper roster of former predators who are qualified and very good at speaking to the game and to the team to the organization to the city to the community to to knowing what it was like then and knowing what it's like now both from a player or coach perspective seeing the fans Evolve that that process that you and I are talking about. Like when, when I got started, like Stu Grimson, I I think was like calling the games on radio. Like this is before Chris Mason, before Hal Gill. This is before a lot of the names that are now a part of this. Like there's a lot of guys that are a part of the organization that or used to be a part of the organization that you can call on now that have insight into both 2006 Preds, 2012 Preds, and 2023 Preds. And I think that's mm-hmm. a that's an asset. I, I don't want to overinflate the value of a player's opinion versus a reporter who's on the beat every day in the locker room talking to somebody. I still think that's a more valuable asset. But don't tell me that J.P. Dumont's perspective isn't important, and we didn't have that in two thousand five or two thousand and ten. And I think we do have a a larger, deeper bench of past experiences to call on now. And I'll be honest, like Hal Gill and Chris Mason just as those two examples, while they are paid for by the team and by Bally Sports or I guess it would be Diamond Sports or whatever it's called now where they get their checks from they still do a pretty darn good job of calling it like it is like th- those two guys in particular and so I think we have a a, a a a not only a more educated media a more educated fan base but I think we have a deeper roster of voices and experts to call upon i would agree with that all right, no notes from Adam Vingan. That's a first. No, no notes. <laughs> all right, you mentioned um, the the radio stuff, and I do want to bring this up because I you, you mentioned the callers on 102.5 being far more educated, and I want to say, yeah, the callers on 104.5 talking Preds are terrible because they're never talking Preds. And I think one of the things, I think Preds fans get, I think they need to understand what's happening. At, and if you're listening to the show, maybe you already know all this stuff. But I think it's important to understand what drives radio decisions in this market. And the Nashville Predators, I, I don't, maybe I'm being too harsh here, but I think across the board, the, the Nashville Predators at large media companies are, all, are almost guaranteed to be loss leaders. They are not going to drive ratings over football unless it is the middle of the Stanley Cup playoffs and they're making a deep run or there's a coaching search. They're not going to drive clicks at the Tennessean over football unless it's something major that's taking place. You cover the Predators because you're doing a service to your community at those large companies, not because it generates large amounts of revenue, which is part of the problem, which, again, is not only just the media's fault. That's also the fans' fault for not wanting to go deep in the weeds. They'd rather listen to people yell about Derrick Henry. But it's not a loss leader for companies like mine. It is not a loss leader for companies that are smaller, that are more digital based, that are doing it a little bit more on the granular level. It's a kind of a critical part of our business model. And, and so I, I think you have to understand that about the large media landscape. And the only reason that 1025 talks as much PREDs as they do, and the only reason that they are as smart about the PREDs as they are. Is because the Preds basically own the station, <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's not that's tongue in cheek, but they write the check that keeps the station going, and so Preds are a part of their content, and that's okay, and in fact, it's a huge service to the market that we have a station that is as smart about Preds hockey as that station is, because if it was just left to the science of radio, which is what 104.5 does, and every other station, they would not get the same coverage because they do not drive traffic.
1: I remember when David Poyle used to do weekly interviews on 104.5. And what I found interesting about those interviews, and I think he did them with uh, the Midday 180, formerly formerly Paul Kaharski, Jonathan Hutton, and Chad Withrow. and what I, about, what I enjoyed, what go to Jasper's. What I enjoyed <laughs> about those interviews is, quite frankly, those three individuals were not super tuned into what was going on with the Predators. But because of that, I felt like they had less. I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Like there were, I feel like there would be less repercussions for them asking tougher questions of David Poyle than perhaps you would hear on one Oh two five because of their relationship. I thought that those interviews were um, really interesting. I think the one that comes to mind immediately was one they did um, with David Poyle shortly before he fired Peter Laviolette uh, when David said, I don't anticipate making a coaching change at this time. Emphasis (laughs) on those last three words. And a couple of weeks later it happened but generally speaking there there is I, you can correct me if i'm wrong here braden there isn't anybody who's on 1045 as an on air personality who i would trust to talk about the predators intelligently i
0: disagree with that and that is
1: yeah. okay who would but you, here's, who would here's you, the thing
0: i did not want this show to be about like who's doing a great job and who sucks i'm kayla and I'm, kayla i'm not Ander- i'm not, kayla I'm not anderson, saying that I'm, kayla anderson knows the team inside and out
1: Kayla, Kayla is Kayla does make a point when she especially when she worked at News 2 to be around the team. Probably more so than most. And again, this is not I'm not trying to insult anybody. I'm just taking it from experience. No, just I felt like Kayla
0: tie it back into I felt like Kayla.
1: Yeah. I felt like Kayla
0: Ah, was around
1: the team. No, I'm fine. Go ahead. tie,
0: Tie it into the business. 1045 right. does not make money off talking about the Nashville Predators. It doesn't. It and makes because money because of that. Talking about football.
1: Because of, right, and because of that it's see you know, because of that they don't have to talk about the Predators intelligently if they don't want to. I I would trust I would trust 1025 because of their partnership with the Predators and the people who are on the station to talk to have a more education, edu- you know, an educated conversation about the Predators. What I was trying to, I was trying to compliment Kayla by saying that when she was at News 2, I felt that she was the local television newscaster who was around the team the most when they were at home. So you're right. I, you know, Kayla does know a lot about the team. But if I had to choose between which station I would listen to for, you know, good discourse on the team it would be 1025 for the reasons you stated
0: well and i, I want to get into and the one name i am going to call out of course is stillman but for for a positive reason because i think um i think the whole blogosphere bobo versus stillman thing is i think it's actually ironically the the most important parts of coverage in the nashville predators media market to some degree uh and i'll get to i'll get to more on on what that means in just a minute but what I think is interesting is there's a there's a tension at, at, at both stations. There's a tension on 1025 because and I felt it every single day doing a show like you you want to be loyal to your audience and loyal to Predators fans and say the thing you think you need to say. And I actually don't think I ever went on the air and said, I think they need to fire Peter Laviolette. I actually don't think I ever got to that point. I, I got in trouble for a million different little things that you say and, you know, say, hey, I didn't like how you said that. I didn't like whatever. And, and the Preds will, will have a comment about it. Certainly, Stillman has, has been in that situation before, but there's nobody, there's no other place that covers the team as in depth and as intelligently and as smartly as that station does. So, if you care about the Preds and something big happens the night before they smoke the Blackhawks six nothing, like where are you going to tune in? Well, you're not going to get anything on 104.5 for that. So, but again, that's because I want. I, I want the reason of this. The, the point of this part of the discussion is to explain the motivations. The motivation for 104.5 is business the motivation for one Oh two five is business. It's it's the exact same reason for both sides. And you get something different out of those two different relationships. Again, one Oh four five pays the Tennessee volunteers and the Tennessee Titans, large chunks of money to broadcast their games. The Nashville predators pay one Oh two five to carry their games every time. That's the, that is a significant financial difference in how those two businesses are structured. Now, stillman made this stupid comment years ago during the cup run about bobos he called the blogosphere and the writers bobos which is you have if you ever met jared stillman you have to know that he says things for effect it is why he gets ratings it's why people listen to his show it's why when you listen to him you're like ah and you drive yourself nuts and you don't like he wants you to feel that way that's his job but here's what i will say ironically the the folks who at that time were probably best equipped to write about the team were probably you at the Tennessean and the blogosphere, the quote unquote Bobos. And the guy who was probably most qualified to talk about the team on the air, even though he may not know anything about hockey, is Jared Stillman. Because, and this is what I want to say, like, like, that's the irony of that debate and the pettiness that goes between both sides. <laughs> Because Stillman doesn't like them. And like Michael Gallagher, my co host, has said openly on the Gold Standard podcast a number of times, like, I, you know, the, the, it's ridiculous that you, that he, that he said that. And like, it's very open that, that there's this little tension between these two groups. The irony is that those are probably the best two groups covering the Nashville Predators. And if you're a fan and you're reading content, Nashville Hockey Now is one of the best places to get it. And if you're listening to content that's not a podcast, ours, let's say, the best show to get it from is probably Stillman Show or one of the other shows on on 1025. So what what is interesting is that (laughs) they have this rivalry dating back to the cup run, but it's actually beneficial to the audience. It's diversity of thought. And I will say this about Stillman: I have seen that man work a source. Like I have seen him walk up to somebody he's never met before. And just ask him as many possible questions as as he can to understand more about what that guy's job is in the business in on us on a team than in, than almost anybody I've met. So you may not, you may have an opinion about what he thinks about, you know, zone entries and zone exit strategies, but don't tell me he doesn't know more about what's going on inside the Preds organization than almost anybody on the air. The one thing that. Works in Jared's favor, not just on this
1: topic, but any topic he talks about. Is he's a fan of these teams? He's from the area. He he's a bobo. grew Up. He's he is a little bit of a bobo. I mean, when <laughs> when they hired Barry Trotz and Andrew Brunette, I mean, he was the biggest Barry and Brunette bobo in town. <laughs> mostly because he just did not like John Hines and was over David Poyle. But yeah. I I accused him of being a a Barry bobo many times. When I would listen to his show shortly after the changes were made. But what works well for Jared is that he's, he, he, you know, he is fueled by emotion because he cares about these teams. He's, he also can speak to them in in a, in a, in a, an intelligent way. But I think that's why his takes, if you want to use that dreaded word, you know, resonate with people, both good and bad, because he 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 comes from that place you know because of it comes from that place of emotion it's,
0: it's also um, what's it also what sells in radio and and right. this is this it, is the it, this right. is what i try to we cavendish and i have talked about this a million times uh, the goal of radio is to pick the right topic not to have the right opinion it the, the goal right. of radio is to pick the topic that divides the audience that then you can have a strong opinion about one way or the other And the goal is to have somebody listening saying, Oh hell yes, I agree with you, or oh hell no, I disagree. That is the point. That 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 com that combat is the goal. And so while Stillman may be, he understands like and he understands I've said this a million times, he understands that better than almost anybody in this market, maybe that I've ever worked around. And that's not a knock on the other state, it's not a knock on the other shows. Like I my style, that's not my style of radio show. I'd listen, I listen to a different show on that channel.
1: <laughs> right. Sometimes I have to, sometimes I have to give Jared a hard time because Jared, by his own admission, and it, he does not watch the NHL at large. You know, he watches, he watches the Predators. So when, you know, there, he has a rule on his show, which he calls the Mikhail Granlund rule which is if I've never heard of the player the Predators are trading for or signing, then they're not any good, which I always give him a hard time for just because, Jared, just because you haven't heard of them doesn't mean they're not good. Like, so sometimes I have to give him crap for that. So I I think, you know, I, I think generally speaking, you know, he does a great job of, of getting people to listen because, you know, whether you're listening to it because you agree with him or because you're hate listening, because you want to hear what crazy thing comes out of his mouth. So you can complain about it on Twitter slash X you're listening. So that's, that's why, you know, Jared is successful at his position.
0: Well, and I, we can kind of move on from this, but I I think what's important is that there's always going to be. And I think the folks that work for, for, for the written word and the digital that are looking for clicks, is no different than a radio show looking for tune-ins or hot takes or whatever. It's all the same principle. And so uh, what I think has happened is both 102.5 and the print coverage has, as we've already agreed, has gotten significantly smarter and better since the cup run. So in the last seven years, the, cu- the quality of those conversations on air and in the written word has gotten better. I, I think there's no question that it's gotten smarter. And so what's interesting is that, it, you know, we have more diversity of thought in the market and that again i i find it because i was working there at the time and i and i had, my, a lot of my friends are in that that the written word I, what's the right word that they want to be like what did you want to be referred to as a blogosphere sounds insulting but it's not meant to be it's just sort of like the internet right. there was a time when I mean, blogger was considered a breakdown. right, down. right. Um, and so, you know, so I, th- I think the writers print that, and
1: print I mean, doesn't work. Print doesn't work because it's not in print. Nothing. So you can just say, I think writer, I think writers works fine. I right. mean, writers in the newspaper or online it's fine.
0: Yeah. And so again, like there was this tension back then. And I think there's still this tension now. I think that's pretty normal. Like a TV guy gets away with everything, by the way, <laughs> TV T- TV guys like not even in this debate because they just like they only have two minutes. They don't they're not even allowed to talk about anything more than their 90 seconds anyway. And so and and I'll be honest, I think we have some of the best TV reporters, sports reporters anywhere because they just they know so much more about everything, but like don't have much time to, to get anything across in their broadcast. So it's mo- far more in the digital space. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to I-, I wanted to kind of that wasn't anti. Honestly, that was a pro Stillman pro writer take, in my opinion, is that they're the best. And (laughs) I do think it's, sorry, go ahead. Well, I just, I just, I want people to know that's what I mean by this, this conversation is to point out that like, while they had this little thing going back and forth back then, they were still the best places to get the information you wanted in 2016 or 2017. And a little healthy tension is good, honestly. Like,
1: you don't want to, you know, I think, I I think when you're around a certain group of people, like when you cover a team and you're around the same people every day, you become chummy, They you become your friends, but it's also good to have a little bit of healthy, maybe competitive tension like that. It brings out the best in everyone. So I, I mean, you know, I get a kick out of it because I tend, I, I, I try to avoid that when I was covering the team and I, from afar, I would get a kick out of it, but I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing yeah. when there's, those competitive juices flowing Yep. because I think it you what's, know, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats or whatever the saying is, that's kind of what
0: I'm trying to get at. Yep. And, and somebody writing some ridiculous headline for the Tennessee and is no different than Jared Stillman's crazy tease going into commercial break. Same exact thing yes. for the exact same purpose that that gets the exact same reaction, which a lot of times is rolling the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but, right. But it is what it is. It's how the business works. Okay. Uh go to Jasper's everybody. Of course it's how their business works. It, it, they they have great drink specials for your Nashville Predators games that are of course now coming up. Uh you've got the regular season starting I believe on the 10th or the 11th or the 12th, something like that in a couple of days, a couple of weeks. And you're going to have for now those games are going to be on TV. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Jasper's will be carrying them. So Gold Standard cocktail of course named after our podcast. Uh, the gold standard, hosted by Michael Gallagher of Nashville Hockey Now, and yours truly. And of course, you got free parking, free game room, all, great menu options. Uh, it's just a great place to watch a hockey game uh, or a football game. So if you want to go, make sure you go check out Jasper's. They'll babysit your children. Um, that is le- legally, that is not an endorsement. That and Jasper's does not endorse that, but but I'm just telling you, if your kids are like over five, they'll take care of themselves in there. I'm just, I just, it's, it'll happen. My my kids can be unsupervised in Jasper's for short periods of time. My my
1: son will end up in the kitchen. My son will end up in the kitchen. Like if he's if we leave him alone, he'll end up you know on the line, like pulling out pots and pans. So oh,
0: well, there you go. Uh, that sounds like a that sounds like a smart kid is what it sounds like to me. <laughs> Better profession than journalism. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh go to Jaspers everybody. Please go check that out. Um all right. So uh, again, growth in 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 the digital space I think has been very healthy. All right, I want to ask you about the subjects that are being covered now. We have you already alluded to this. We have a very there, there's a sort of a unique situation when you got here the team kind of on the rise had just fired its coach for the first time. Peter Lovia led a very different style communicator than Barry Trotz. Ironically, of course, Barry Trotz now back into the fold as the general manager, first new GM since the organization was launched. So if you don't know any of this stuff, if you already know all this stuff, I apologize. But brand new coach for the first time, for I believe the fourth head coach in franchise history, just the second GM in franchise history. And of course, Bill Haslam will be eventually taking over as the uh, sole sort of majority owner of the National Predators, which means there will be a main majority owner of the Predators for the first time in franchise history. Again, most of you already know all of that stuff. But it will dictate and change how we cover the team because personalities affect how we cover the team. So, Adam, I want to we'll go kind of we'll go one by one, and we'll start with ownership. Then we'll go to the the GM and the coach, and even to the players. Um, And I want to start with Bill Haslam when he does take over and he's a, a an official majority leader and owner of the team. How does that affect change coverage of the Nashville Predators? So when it comes to
1: ownership. Honestly, that's sort of an open question because the previous majority owner Herb Fritsch, did not address reporters. Um, he did a couple of times, I believe, after the changing of David Poyle and the, the you know the the arrival of Bill Haslam, but generally he did not make himself available to reporters. Look, not every owner in sports is Jerry Jones. Not I think he's the only owner in sports that has a hologram of himself and let's keep it that way. Um, But I wonder if Haslam just because of his background will make himself more available at certain key points. I don't think the owner needs to be available. Like I said, like Jerry Jones, who is the extreme example, like after every game where you're going into the Cowboys locker room and you're interviewing Micah Parsons, and then you're going outside to interview Jerry Jones. You don't need to do that. But I do think that at major points, I I think Bill Haslam needs to make himself available. Maybe it's a once a year address before the season, after the season, something to get the owner's thoughts on the record. I I think that would be important. I wonder if he would be if he would be more apt to do that because of his public speaking slash po- political background.
0: Yeah, politicians are good at answering questions. Uh, at least, at least they yes. used to be. <laughs> Um, yes. And no, I, I agree. I, and I think that, that is a I think ultimately it is a benefit to the media and a benefit to the fans to have a singular person making decisions. Now, Amy Adams Strunk, this has happened for the Titans, where I think it's a benefit that she has become such a strong willed owner, but she's also fairly quiet, does not make herself available too often. But anything would be more available than the way the pro- the, the previous ownership group would work because mostly just how it functioned. It just didn't function the way a, a, a singular main owner would function. And so I, I hope that there's a, to your point, I hope there's a balance that you get a little bit more authority and a little bit more of a, of a vocal presence from a singular person in charge of the entire organization, but, but you don't need it all that much. You need it at certain inflection points. And, and I think that, that, that is, that, that's kind of all you need there. All right. Barry Trotz. So if you cover Barry Trotz as a coach, uh, I've only been I have not ever covered him as a coach. I've covered him now as a GM since he took over. I've been around him a few times. He is loquacious and talkative and nice and kind and thoughtful and all these other things that, that have made him beloved in this in this city, even after getting run out of town as the head coach and going to win a cup somewhere else. Um, how does coverage of the team change with Barry Trotz versus David Poyle? I'm hoping for more transparency. I, I read
1: a, a column by Gentry Estes in the Tennessean. I think it was last week, as a preview to training camp, and and as part in part of the interview, Gentry asked Barry Trotz about you know the, the rumors around the draft that he was willing to move Yaroslav Skar for the right price. And Barry was like, yeah, I was telling teams, like, if this is the kind of player that I want, that dynamic young centerman, I'm going to have to move a top prospect. Like, he was open and honest about the fact that he, yes, he was indeed floating Askarov's name to other general managers in an attempt to move up in the draft order.
0: As, and, reported, as reported by Michael Gallagher of the Gold Standard Podcast and National Hockey Now.
1: So, um, I'm hoping that he remains that transparent. David Poyle was accessible. I don't, there were very few times where I requested to talk to David Boyle where I was told I would not be able to talk to David Boyle. but 40 plus years of being an executive, he, he mastered the art of saying a lot without really saying anything. David Boyle wouldn't have never admitted to something like that. And I'm hoping that Barry will continue to be that transparent and that it's not beaten out of him. Yeah. The good news is, is that who's going to beat it out of Barry Trotz? Nobody. So I'm hopeful that he will continue to be as transparent as he has been. I think that will make the coverage better because you'll have more insight into his thinking than you did
0: David's. Was that a compliment to Barry Trotz's general uh, positive demeanor or an insult to all of national media? Which one? That no one's going to beat it out of him. (laughs) <laughs> i know i was a compliment to barry because no i know, I know.
1: i'm kidding who's I'm kidding. gonna push barry around nobody have you seen a man he's yeah, he's, 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 like a bear, he's a boulder he's a
0: barrel-chested man there's no question about it if you yeah. ever see if you ever heard the phrase barrel-chested like that's that's the guy right there um the, diction, no, I, the dictionary i definition. i, I poil would do it with like a wry smile right like he'd kind of you knew what he was alluding to but he was never giving it to you and then he would kind of do a little smile right. on the side and kind of like nod his head and he was just always ultra-competitive. Not that Barry Trotz is not ultra-competitive. I, I thought John Hines was more far more transparent than Peter Laviolette, and I think that's the, the transition you're making is sort of from that style, I think, to a GM. And it'll be interesting to see how Barry Trotz changes the way he approaches communication. And to see that, to your point, when the stakes get larger and you are in charge of everything, it's sometimes easier, better, smarter, better PR to not say anything at all. So we shall see how how that changes. What about Andrew Brunette? Um, this is a little bit more from a distance, but you covered John Hines, right. you covered Peter LaViolette. What do we um, expect out of Andrew Brunette in the coverage? I would expect something in the middle. I don't, don't think that Brunette
1: will be as transparent as John Hines, but I also think he'll be uh, less guarded than Peter LaViolette.
0: Which is very and, hard to do.
1: Which is... <laughs> right. Um, I, you know, it, it will be interesting because this is, you know, uh, Andrew Burnett only has seventy five currently, seventy five games. I think it is of head coaching experience in the NHL as an interim coach. So, you know, in terms of being in front of the camera and speaking every day, it's something that like, he pl- played for a long time, so he has experience. But in in this position, I think it will be new. It will be new for him, um, and I'm I'm curious to see how that goes. You know, I think John Hines. At, from a media perspective, was a reporter, an analyst's a, a dream. He was he was transparent. He he was willing to he was willing to talk both on and off the record. He was willing to explain himself in ways that make made you smarter. Um, and well, you know, I don't know if Andrew Burnett is going to be that way because I I, I don't know Andrew Burnett. I'm not covering Andrew Burnett, but I I'm hopeful that. You know, he strikes a middle ground between Peter and John. Um, you know, I, I do find it interesting because, you know, of course, now Peter Laviolette is the head coach of the New York Rangers. And I follow New York Rangers reporters on on Twitter and I'm seeing the quotes from Peter. Um, you know, he had a quote the other day. Someone was asking him about his system and he made a quick that said, do other coaches who have coached the Rangers put their system in the New York Post or something like that? I was like, ha ha ha, Peter, first year Peter, so funny. <laughs> it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens in I, I, the next couple of years.
0: I I did notice a a line in New York Rangers training camp of Nick Benito and Rem Pitlick. I thought that was interesting for Predators fans. Yeah, uh, to acknowledge. Dope. Um, and and the player question I think is is it evolves into a different question for me. And this is a critique of both the organization, the Nashville Predators, and the media equally. I want everyone to hear this. It is an equal parts uh, critique of the situation. I do think the Predators could be better about being knowing their place in the market and providing their players to be and their coaches to be more accessible to tell more stories to the fans. I think that's absolutely something they could do. Belmont, as we've said on the in, in past episodes, is great at this. They know where they're located. They take strategic opportunities to promote themselves, and they do it with a smile on their face. and the And the predators have to fight the NFL every day. They have to fight SEC football every day. They have to fight national news stories every day. And you do yourselves no favors when you do not allow. Like I'm not sure we got. Like I think we got in three years of being on 102.5. I'm not sure how many times we had PK Subban on the show. Like once, maybe. Uh, we might have had roman Yossi on the show one time so i think there is the, the predators could make a concerted effort to be strategic with allowing more access and pushing their their brand out there and their stories out there that aren't just like about the team like the stories about the players and not written by someone inside of the the organization right so i think they could do that yes that's that's yes. only but that's only half the equation the other half of the equation is that and this is for every reporter that's listening to this including myself you you can back me up on it. the access is there go take advantage of it the media could be could be absolutely better about going to, like i've been to training camp multiple times for the Nashville Predators there's nobody from the press there there's nobody there it's like two it's like two reporters maybe and while not every player is available so the so the preds could do better most media outlets in this town are not sending somebody to go check on the Preds. So if you want to hustle and you want to build sources and you want to go into a locker room and get to know these people, you, the access is there for you. You could go do it. So the media needs to be better about taking advantage of that. And the Preds could be better about sort of being a little bit more um, cooperative with pushing their, their stories and their players and their personalities out there, especially on a team that might not make the playoffs with a lot of young players who don't know how to necessarily interact all that great in a national media market. This is where the NFL does it the best. They they put their guys out there and they let it go. I had a, another
1: team's uh, public relations person tell me this was several years ago when talking about how the predators handled public relations. They described it as they'll get you to point a, they'll get you from point a to point B, but they'll make you take the service road instead of the interstate. <laughs> like it, they, it's, it, it can be. In my experience, it can be difficult for to get them to get you what you need. They, they, I think more often than not they will, but it, it is not an easy process. And that you know, hence the service road instead of the interstate. Right. You know, I, I think that the predators when they were winning, I, I, I think this happens in all sports when the team is winning. Teams can, uh, can, uh they they can be more restrictive with access because you know we you know they need us the reporters need us because we're right. the hot story in town right when things aren't going well i think it needs to change and i think the team needs to be proactive in getting coverage and and i think the most important thing is getting cover you know getting access to players in situations that are not in the dressing room right. spending time with guys away from the practice facility you know i my my favorite story that I, I think that I wrote at any time in my seven plus years covering the team was a story I wrote about Mark Borwiecki a couple of years ago and talking about how he, saw, you know, he suffered a panic attack during a game in his first season with the Predators and everything that went into that. I set that up with Mark by myself. I was going to
0: I'm assuming you went through proper channels for that.
1: I developed a relationship with Mark. I told <laughs> him I wanted to talk to him about it and we set it up and I did it that way. Uh, The Predators were not pleased with that. But in my mind, it was if I don't do it this way, I don't think it's going to get, I don't think the story is going to be as good as it can be because there are going to be guardrails put in place. So I do think that the Predators can be better. Most PR uh, outfits can be better at granting access to a guy. Go have lunch with a player. If a player has a hobby that's really interesting, if Luke Evangelista is super into axe throwing, let let a reporter go with Luke Evangelista, <laughs> axe
0: throwing. Yeah, yeah, bring a photographer. Write a great story. Gu- like Gustav does a- Gustav Nyquist has two small daughters. I have two small daughters. You don't think I'm gonna the first time I meet him? You don't think the first thing I'm gonna say to him is, "What's up, girl, dad?" Like I'm gonna talk to him about being a dad of girls. Like that's the first Correct. thing we're gonna. It's the first thing we're gonna talk about. And so, uh, again, I, I think. And the good
1: news is there are pre- there are players on the team, currently. That I that seem to be very you know a lot of, mostly the veteran players, I I think are there are some good players on that team in terms of of being open and honest. Yes, yeah. You know Ryan O'Reilly, Luke Shen. You know I think Roman Yossi has gotten a lot better. So there are yeah. opportunities for that. I think the team needs to be better at at, at offering those opportunities, and the I'm, media
0: needs to be better at, at re- requesting those opportunities. Bingo. Be uh, here's the thing. I think the moral of your story or the lesson of the story you just told about getting the Mark Bervietzi's story, is that it benefited everybody. It benefited the player. It told his story. It benefited the fan because they learn more and have a connection. Maybe somebody cares more about that particular player now because of what they learned in that story. It benefited the reporter because you got to tell a great story. It, it was a net positive for every party involved. And I think a lot of times, and it's not just a Preds problem, to your point, a lot of organizations think that they are protecting the player or the coach by, by shielding them. And that's not the case. You, you, the, these young players, you hear that players. Lincoln Riley. <laughs> well, the Titans are again, the Titans aren't exactly o- open about helping you get what you want. They don't need to be, cause they don't care. They don't need coverage, but they, they open the locker room up and you go in and talk to anybody you want, especially after a big play or a bad play after a game, you can go in and ask the player who dropped the game winning touchdown pass, anything you want. And, and there's no PR department standing over the top of them. So if if that happens in hockey, there's no way that player is made available. So again, both, I think this is equal parts. Both sides can be better. The access is there if you work for it. And the Preds could be a little bit better about pushing their stories and helping the media tell their stories more, knowing that they are not the biggest dog in the city. I I think they were in 2017. They are not anymore. And they're not a team that might, they they might not make the playoffs. Okay. Uh, Here's the last thing here. Go to Jaspers. Of course, we uh, do love and appreciate Jaspers. Go to Jaspers. Uh, Regional sports networks. This is something we're going to track all season long. Uh, The dynamics you need to know about the regional sports networks are that the NHL, number one, the NHL needs these regional sports networks way more than the other leagues. Major League Baseball doesn't need it as much. They can survive on sort of, uh, and we've seen some teams survive on self-distribution, Major League Baseball taking over ownership of the broadcasting rights. They have very strong, powerful local viewing audiences. That is not the case in the NHL. The NBA has an extraordinarily powerful national television contract that's about to come up for negotiation, actually. I think ESPN's currently in their exclusive negotiating window with the NBA. It's going to be huge. The NHL needs the money more than the other leagues. So they need the RSNs to work out more. They are currently bankrupt. <laughs> that's not a good situation. <laughs> Um, there are 12 teams in the NHL that, are, that have a partnership with the Regional Sports Network, and different teams are doing it different ways. Las Vegas is currently going to broadcast all of their games for free inside the state of Nevada. That's amazing. What a novel concept. <laughs> you know, just do it. Just do it. Bite the bullet for now. So they are protected. If you're a Vegas fan, you live in Nevada, you are protected. You will always get your games. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins bought the RSN outright. They just bought it. They had the money, so they bought the RSN, and now they're going to self-distribute. And there are reports that two different teams of the 12 could have, quote-unquote, interruptions this season. The Detroit Red Wings and the Nashville Predators. Those are the two. And the NHL, this is the quote from the NHL office, should something like that happen, the NHL claims to be ready to, quote, do what needs to be done. I don't know what that means, Adam.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't either. It's it's impossible to find these games on television um, if you don't have the right um, if you don't have the right cable or satellite provider. I mean, there was a time my last season where I was buying VPNs and changing my location to watch the Bally Sports Network games on ESPN Plus. Like that's like that should not be. You should not have to go through all of that trouble. To, to watch a Predators game locally. So
0: that, you know, yeah, it, it's it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Well, I am officially a cord cutter, so I'll be going to Jaspers to watch all the games. <laughs> I am a cord cutter as well. I do have one thing before we go. I have a challenge. Oh, a challenge. Go to Jaspers.
1: I have a challenge for Predator, for current Predators media.
0: Mm.
1: And I, as we talked about, the state of the Coverage, I believe, is in it's it's in flux. Last year was a big change because the athletic, of of course, you know, example number one right here, decided not to cover the Predators anymore. You know, I feel like the Tennessean has changed the way it covers the team. It's much different than it was when I was there. The, The daily goings on are not covered the same as they were when I was there. It's a lot more about features and big news versus the daily goings on. I think there is a hole for someone who covers the team currently to emerge as the go-to source for predators news. I do not think, and this is again, this is not a, this is not a statement on the quality of coverage, but I do not believe that there was someone who emerged from the pack last season. Here's an example to give you, here's an example of what I mean. A couple of weeks ago, I was asked to appear on a Predator, excuse me, a Colorado Avalanche podcast to talk about Ryan Johansson. And the host of the podcast, RF Dean, told me that he was was thinking about people who covered the Predators who could come on the podcast to talk about Ryan Johansson. I was the only person he could think of. And I hadn't covered the team in more than a year. So I, I think it's, I think, go ahead. There's plenty of people that would be qualified to do that. I agree, but I think the challenge, and I and I think the challenge is for those people for someone to emerge as that person. Uh, you know, I I think that I had the luxury of working for the Tennessee and in the athletic, which provided me a platform and importantly, travel to be able to get FaceTime with a lot of people and become that go-to source. The outlets that cover the team now don't have that, don't have that same luxury currently. So that's a, that I that that is completely understandable. But I think there is a there is room for someone I agree to to emerge as that go-to person that I had the 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 privilege of being for seven years. i I just want to state this for the record. I was by no means irreplaceable. This was not like when Jim Wyatt left the Tennessee. i I ooh, think I did
0: a good shot, job a I, shot at all NFL media in town. ooh
1: no, but Jim Wyatt was in a league of his own. I
0: mean yeah, I agree yeah, almost di- but, and he's he's been on the show. he almost died because of it just so you know.
1: There, yes, I, that, I wasn't willing to die for the Tennessee. And Sorry, guys.
0: But the, 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 Good the point is,
1: I do think that there is room for someone to emerge so that, quite frankly, radio stations don't have to call me to talk about the Predators, knowing that I don't cover the Predators anymore. So I, I, think, I think that's the challenge. Who is going to step up and be that go-to source for everyday Predators news? That not, and more
0: importantly, not in locally,
1: but outside of Nashville, because
0: that's important. Well, that, 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 that part is true, and I ain't got time for that shit. So um, I, I, I think you're right. I think there's space for it. And this goes back to the access is there if you're willing to put the work in. The Preds will see you around long enough. Might, maybe they'll help you become that. But you got to do the work, and you got to be there. Otherwise, if you're a diehard Nashville Predators fan, check out the Gold Standard Podcast, because Michael Gallagher right now is one of the few people actually talking about news and breaking news out there on the beat. Uh, you can listen to him and me every single week on the Gold Standard Podcast covering your Nashville Predators. But uh, yeah. Uh, there's space. There's space there for sure to do it. Uh, otherwise, I think we are smarter. What did we learn today on the show? Uh, go to Jaspers. We are a smarter, more educated, more analytical hockey market with better hockey fans and better hockey media. And I think hopefully everyone understands that while it's there's some holes in the market, there are some strengths as well. The strength is in the digital space. Go check it out. Uh, There's lots of good stuff out there for you. Okay, Adam, thank you so much for filling in for Steve Cavendish. He'll be back next week. Uh, Always a pleasure, my friend. You can get to him on Twitter, at Adam Bingen. You can get to me, of course, at Braden Gall. Go to Jaspers. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody.